a Podcast One production. We're in the midst of the biggest transformation that the office itself has ever seen. Employees want choice. They want flexibility from their employers on where to work when they're most productive, but have optionality of where to work. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, as well as 11 of the top ASX listed companies. And this is Fast Track. Everyone's talking about the future of work. They're asking questions like, what does the new normal actually look like? Will we go back to the office block lifestyle? Are we desperate to get back to the office and away from our family? The questions about what is ahead for the world of work gets posed to me and many others every week. It's true that the global pandemic has upended the traditional office and changed our understanding of how we work. There's been a psychological and emotional toll and a confusion about the desire and ability for us to choose the environment we work in. To debate the future of work with me and discuss how important the environment is to our work performance and happiness is Balder Toll, the Australian General Manager at global flexible workspace company WeWork. Prior to helming WeWork in Australia, Balder started Tankstream Labs, a co-working space for tech startups, and was Airbnb Australia's first employee. Balder is deeply passionate about the role the workplace plays in creativity, community and learning. And he believes that as we continue to move through the pandemic and beyond, our offices won't be disappearing anytime soon. So I'm passionate about this environmental structuring, the way that we live and work, Balder. It's so great to have you here today. Thanks for coming to join me. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we debate the future of work, what set this passion alight for you? My passion came from doing urban geography at university <laughs> and I got obsessed by environments for human beings, for work, socially, everything. Where did your passion come from? I think it comes back from, I was fascinated by hospitality and the impact that hospitality had on human beings. When you look in like restaurants, hotels, the sheer happiness that people could experience um, in a venue like that was fascinating to me. And I took that fascination of hospitality into my professional life, uh, where I started my pretty much first serious role at private banking for ABN EMRO in the Netherlands. And there we started to apply the principles of hospitality as part of the client treatment we offered um, to the banking industry. So not just taking your clients for lunch, something else I'm suspecting. Absolutely. I had the best job title in the world. I had to organize events that the high net worth individuals couldn't purchase with their own funds. Um, so create experiences that weren't accessible to them regardless of their net worth. Okay, wow. So you became really passionate about these experiences in environments. Then what happened? 
well, the financial crisis happened, <laughs> but um, I was fascinated by taking this, but I wanted to understand organizational life a little bit more. So I moved to Australia because I'm Dutch by background, uh, and I've called this beautiful country home for the last 11 years. But I did my master's in international business at the University of Sydney, and that was to really upskill the business side of it. And after my studies, I brought the two passions together for business and hospitality at Airbnb. You were the first employee at Airbnb. Correct. So this is definitely a hospitality environment holiday thing. What happened? Well, for me, it was the fascination that you can facilitate an experience between two strangers that has a meaningful impact in their life and their happiness. So joining Airbnb was a dream come true. But very quickly, it resulted into a bit of frustration because I personally wasn't there to facilitate that moment. And it was the platform. So I was missing out on the personal satisfaction to actually see this relationship come to life. Um, so from there on, I decided um, to start a co-working space uh, together with two friends, the founders of Airtasker. And between the three of us, we created one of the first Australian co-working spaces with all the principles of hospitality that come with it. Amazing. So, and now you're the general manager of WeWork. I would imagine that you would be one of the people who was most hit by the pandemic. Hasn't everybody gone home to work? Hasn't the community gone? Aren't you panicking? No, I'm not panicking because we see light at the end of the tunnel. But I think at peak pandemic, it's been a challenging environment for any business. And similar to all of our members, we as an organization, you know, have been challenged by the environment that COVID-19 threw at us. But I think it highlighted uh, some key aspects that are fundamental to organizational life and the office. So for me, the office is not that, but we're in the midst of the biggest transformation that the office itself has ever seen. Okay, I want to come to what that might look like because I think you've got great data, I think you've got great ideas, and I'd like to sort of really explore that further. But at the moment, I'd like to know, how did you cope when nobody turned up to your offices anymore? Well, I think it's first making sure our employees and members feel safe and secure. So while we transitioned to work from home overnight, we really focused on some of the key business principles as making sure there's enough cash uh, yeah. in the organization, yeah. but as well to keep our employees you know, happy and engaged because it's an incredibly challenging environment to transition from such a communal workspace like WeWork, where we facilitate face-to-face -face interaction and move that completely overnight to a digital uh, environment. Yeah. Um, so for our employees, it was making sure that we set the right expectations, what they could expect from the weeks and then months to come, uh, while for our members, making sure that they felt supported um, and they knew what their workspace uh, was able to offer outside of the lockdown that we experienced. Have you worked harder than you've ever worked during the pandemic? I didn't think that was possible, but yes, I was busier than ever before. Yeah. Um, and I think because we're a service-based organization, um, making sure our members are satisfied, you know, with the product and service we offer is incredibly important. Mm. So what's the fundamental purpose of WeWork? What do you do for people? Yeah, we, we acknowledge that we as human beings, we're social animals and that organizational life is really thriving when there is an element of proximity between your peers and in our case, 
other organizations as well. So we bring together entrepreneurs to enterprise organizations together in one workspace. And we try to facilitate the connection between all these different organizations to provide a better day at the office. Okay, so a better day at the office. I've got some wonderful research, which uh, you and I have been talking about from the Sydney University Coaching Psychology Unit, where they're talking about how impactful environments can be on your performance and your well-being. Is that part of the principles behind the way you work? Absolutely, because it starts with our design and how we lay out our spaces. I think that a workspace comes together with hundreds of deliberate choices that are human-made. And I think we like to use the analogy of an iceberg. Um, A lot of organizations are incentivized to make investments and manage top of the iceberg, which is really on what you can see and facilitate the interactions, where we really focus below the iceberg. And it is focused on how can a physical layout actually be conducive to a connected environment. And we do many studies uh, on that. And we like to refer to a center point of gravity because for us it's all about about choice and our members have the choice where they want to work, where they're most productive for the task at hand, while still have an environment to come together in our communal spaces that is really designed uh, for inspiration and collaboration amongst all of our members. Okay, amazing. So I would have thought that your members are all saying, oh, we're good now, we're working from home, we don't need we work anymore. My understanding is you've got some data that the opposite is true. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think the one good thing coming out of COVID is that organizations, uh, including our members and other organizations around the world, are going back to one thing, and that is asking their people. And that is incredibly powerful because we're seeing data sets and questions that have never been asked before pre-COVID. But a few of the interesting stats that we've seen out of our internal research is the willingness for people to continue remote working in what they refer to as being in isolation. And it is, there's compounding research that if humans are deprived of social interaction, it enacts the same feelings as anxiety. And that just shows that we're social animals and that we want to um, experience certain parts of our working life together. Mm. I have got a client that just had to make a number of people redundant and reorganize the business. And... She's so impacted. She said there's that moment where you press leave the meeting and you don't actually walk somebody out. Your last words, your last words. And she said it felt inhuman to be able to do that over technology. Yeah, and technology plays a huge part. So while it is a tool that allowed us to be, you know, more engaged and the technology tools have been incredible over Mm. the past few years and like even what Zoom has allowed us to come together um, has been positive. But I think what we're now seeing is the long-term effects of that environment. Um, A lot of our members and our research shows that if you go from Zoom to Zoom, you actually have less time to digest the information you've just heard 
learned or even the inability to connect and discuss the information with some of your peers. And that is very draining. Um, another uh, key you know, fascination of organizations is the productivity stat. And a lot of organizations say, no, productivity has gone up. But it's to the detriment of employees who actually say, like, well, I'm less visible to my manager, so I make sure I do a lot more so that my work shines through the digital channels that we have in uh, actually impacting the work-life balance even even more so. And the other thing that I've heard is micromanagement by leaders because they can't actually see or interact with people. And so everybody's working really hard. And then the sociological factor of which door do I close? When do I turn off my work? And my experience recently is that people are saying, I want to go back to the office three days. I want to get away from my family. I like working from home, but not with everybody else was the saying. So what are the stats? What are your surveys? Because you do a lot of data collection. Yeah, we've done a fascinating roundtable with some of the leading enterprise organizations in Australia. And there was a large engineering firm that conducted a study in April amongst 10,000 of their employees. And 85% of them identified they wanted to work from home or remotely the majority of April. Them. Yeah, so this in April. Is, this so is, this is a month, month into the pandemic. Correct. So everyone goes, oh, we're at home. I want to stay here. Yeah. Okay. So they benchmarked the same study amongst the same group of people in early August, and only 15% of them wanted to continue working remote or from home. Oh my God, that's a 70% drop. That's Absolutely. massive. Yeah. And that just indicates, you know, that while we might be comfortable of working remotely, we might not want to. And this is where the social element really comes into play. But another large telco in Australia did the same study, but more on the preferences of duration of working from home. And interestingly enough, it said that three days at the start of the pandemic, now going down to one and a half days working from home, while the preference is to come back into the office. It sounds to me like we're on a, like our cars, we're going to hybrid. You know, we want a bit of petrol and a bit of electric all at the same time. We want to mix it up. Is Absolutely. that what you're, you're hearing? Yeah, we're hearing that employees want choice. They want flexibility from their employers on where to work when they're most productive, but have optionality in the different options of where to work. So when you say hybrid, we actually see hybrid or a hub and spoke model coming to life in the real estate industry a lot. Okay, I need to know what a hub and spoke is. Yeah, so the hub is really the central place for creativity where you continue to build culture, collaborate with your peers and really drive the human kind of jobs that we, that we like to work on the projects uh, where the spoke can be not in the CBD, it can be closer to home, but different flex options for your employees to reduce their commute to still have a place to work outside of their home or near their home and um, the flexibility to work there when is most productive for the task at hand. So coming together when it's purposeful, not just because that's what we do. 
Absolutely. And that's how we see the future of the office. It's redefining the role and the purpose that the office plays. So while we already identified and you see some of the major leading um, companies around the world, they continue and they send a somewhat conflicting message out yeah. in the world at the moment. Because if you think about Google as a large tech player, they've said to all of their employees, you can continue working remote for the foreseeable future. Yet at the same time, signing up for large chunks of real estate all around the world and it is their commitment to the physical space because when someone asked Google two years ago how many of your employees telecommute the answer was well as few as possible and it just shows their findings that they're fascinated with all of the creatives when they come together in the office on the innovation of the organization and that can't be done remotely or over zoom. Okay, so Atlassian here in Australia have just invested an enormous amount in a new building. That's the paradox, isn't it? The tech company that says, yes, you can work from home and did so successfully, but is still purchasing real estate. Absolutely. And it's it's the commitment to the city and the commitment to their employees. And I think in the same message for Atlassian, it is creating stability to tell your employees that they can work remote if they want to, yet uh, offering a place of collaboration to come home and continue building that culture. And Mike Kennebrook said it in a conversation with Slack on a webinar that he anticipates that their new headquarters is going to look more like a shared space than a one-to-one one densified corporate headquarters. Okay, so let's talk about the future of work and what your vision and dream is. You're probably the closest to a futurist we've really got because you are immersed in how people want to live and work and you're immersed in that information because of the nature of your commercial enterprise. So I'm really wanting to know what do you think the future actually looks like? We've heard Hub and Spoke. What else? Yeah, I think hybrid models when it comes to real estate, but it comes back to one thing. I think when it comes to the office, the real estate strategy is going to complement your people strategies. So it is fundamentally finding out within your organization where your employees want to work and where they're most productive, while on the flip side thinking, what do I want to create when it comes to my corporate culture and the platform upon which these relationships are built? I don't know any organization that's had their people strategy and their real estate strategy really working effectively together. Can you name one? No, it's because real estate has been a very inflexible industry for years. But we should really ask ourselves, why is the nine to five, Monday to Friday work week has been so rigid, uh, even in the last decade, while work itself has really become variable and flexible of nature. So we need to ask ourselves, what is the purpose that the office needs to define? And this is where I think the acceleration of trends that we've seen pre-COVID are now coming to life. Um, and a lot of organizations are going back to asking their people. So I run team days, I run activities with groups, I do brainstorming, all of those sort of things. And I'm looking for spaces for people to come and often the office doesn't have the right environment for that. They have quiet space and activity-based working space. And a couple of my clients are now saying, we're searching for those spaces. So I'm thinking the nature of a home office will be really important, but the nature of the way that we build those shared spaces for 
the community of work will be really interesting. Are you going to change WeWork spaces to have more community spaces in the future? Yeah, well, I'll answer it in two ways. I think over the last decades, because WeWork is now an organization that's 10 years old, flexibility has been in our DNA. Um, but we are always trying to anticipate what our members want out of their office. So it's it's on twofold. We have a lot of technology in our smart buildings that allow us to get insights on where people sit first and um, we have heat mapping where our members they come in and which spot do they pick first why do they go and sit there and we work with workplace anthropologists to really understand the deep human intuition on why we select that spot and trying to implement that into our design standards so with that what we see is that we work uh, in general has been focused on densified one-to-one employee-to-desk ratios, where now we're offering our members the optionality to transform a highly densified desk option into more collaboration spaces. And because we work in modular building blocks, it allows us for very low costs to transform the physical space of an office and see how that positively impacts the culture of that organization in one of our spaces. Yeah, and even to elevate that, this study that I spoke about from the University of Sydney actually says that leaders who've got the right attitude, the positive leadership, actually the environment enhances their ability to lead their people and the ripple effect is massive on a culture. So those are so deeply intertwined. Anything else about the future of work? You've talked about what we want and you've talked about your flexibility. Is there anything else we need to be thinking about in terms of the work environment and the way that we interact with it? Well, I think how we transition into the office is going to become very deliberate. We know that we can be productive almost anywhere. And that's the upside of technology and the technology is the tool. So if I need to do deep focus or I have a project to work on, yeah, I probably prefer to do that at home. Yet, I'm an extrovert, uh, I want the social interaction, and I really thrive on the energy of others. Uh, A lot of people will refer to water cooler organizations. For us, it's those um, serendipitous yet purposeful interactions between our peers that we create. And for us, that is not for our employees, but for our members. So we have a dedicated community team that facilitates these interactions. And I think what we'll see more is that an office manager will transition into an experience manager for employees to genuinely facilitate these human-to-human interactions in the workplace. Okay, that's amazing. So any other tips for people thinking about recreating the environments that they're going back into? Another client was saying, Maggie, what do I do when we come back into the office? How are we all going to sit? How does that work? I mean, these are big questions for small, medium and larger organisations. Yeah, I think we're still living this pandemic. So in the short term, it's really creating a safe environment, both for the organization as well for the psychological safety when transitioning back into the office. So creating clear guidelines on how to interact, having a COVID safe plan is the first step right now. And I genuinely believe that the AB team structure allows you to de-densify your spaces and create a safe environment for your employees to transition back. 
While real estate needs to become more flexible in order to anticipate the variable change that we're seeing in how employees will like to work in the future. And I think that's going to be ongoing and therefore a fixed strategy today will likely not last you more six than 12 months. So having an inundated need for flexibility, both in your lease, in your lease structure, uh, membership agreements where it can go month to month, but as well keeping some form of flexibility within the physical premises to continue that change and inspire you know, the creativity amongst your employees is going to be fascinating. Balder, I have learned so much and I could talk about this subject really, I think, forever. I think we underestimate the importance of environments for our well-being and for our performance. And I think it's probably come into everybody's awareness during the pandemic because we're all of a sudden having to think about these choices. So we've saved some time on the commute, but now we miss our buddies. We've become productive and now we've become overproductive and we've worn ourselves out. So many things to keep an eye on as we move through in this hybrid model. But I want to say thank you so much for sharing your insights, your surveys, your data, and let's talk again when we know what hybrid actually becomes. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Tina Matalov, Audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au, download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Fast Track Podcast.